Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And in this return episode, we'll be talking about the NBA playoffs as they're barreling towards the conference finals. We will talk about the NFL, what's going down there, and we will have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and comment on the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports for all your important sports news and things of that nature. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. We are back. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks off. Kind of an unplanned um, break for me. Uh, a little personal note for me, I moved recently. So I always say, you know, you hear me talk about when I talk about we, we, we. I'm talking about LSU when it comes to college football. And that is still the case. But I no longer live in Baton Rouge. I have moved uh, about 45 minutes west to Lafayette. Um, so that is a little personal for me, which is why I've been gone the past couple of weeks. I had nowhere to record, um, staying with the parents, thankful to them for being able to do that, but I had no way to set up and record plus with the moving and stuff like that, blocking out the time uh, to properly do the show for you guys was something that I really, I really, really want to do. I don't want to do a half baked show. I don't want to do a half hearted show. I don't want to do a show that's 25 minutes and I'm out. Um, even though the shows will get shorter in length during the summertime, um, that's just because of content of course in general we won't have the hour 15 hour and a half shows we sometimes get in the NFL season they will be shorter um, and then the show's going to be a little more structured too so sometimes we have 27 28 minute segments those will be gone uh, we're going to do 15 20 minute segments max um, three of those uh, even during the football season three of those and then we're out so the goal is trying to keep the show around an hour 45 minutes if anyone 45 minutes to an hour coming up in the next uh, portion of or the next era of the show especially during football season uh, because again I know you guys are busy you guys have lives and listening to my voice no matter how beautiful it is for an hour and a half just isn't conducive um, to guys lifestyle to people lifestyle in general so we're just trying to keep that to 45 minutes to an hour um, in our next era like I said especially right now when it's pretty much NBA um, playoffs hockey playoffs going on Major League Baseball season's ramping up. Um, but, you know, there's no college football. There's no NFL. There's no college basketball. College baseball's going on. Um, there's no Olympics, even. The WNBA's back, which will be in our best for last. Um, but there's nothing. Uh, there's not a major, major content area. So we'll shorten up the shows for now. We'll extend them a little bit during the NFL season, like I said, to try and hit that 45-minute to an hour mark. And that'll be where I would want to be. So when I start a segment, I'm going to set a timer on my phone or set a timer on a clock or something. And when it gets around that 15 minute mark, start trying to figure out how to wrap it up, you know. So that'll be definitely how I uh, keep track of myself. And you guys definitely let me know. Like, hey, Justin, you said 15, 20 minute segments. Well, the NFL week one segment was 30 minutes, you know, and stuff like that. So I'd rather not take away from other topics. Again, we're going to try and hit that 45 minute to an hour mark. But... 
enough of my personal life enough of show backstory enough of all that bs we are in the nba playoffs we are barreling towards uh like i said in the intro barreling towards the conference finals and those conference finals out east we have the miami heat the one seed and we have the boston celtics who i believe was the two seed uh maybe i said them correctly because brooklyn was seven so yeah boston was the two seed and then out west we have the three seeded um golden state warriors against the four seeded dallas mavericks um yeah because grizzlies were two phoenix was one dallas hosted the first round series dallas might be five actually i think utah might have hosted the first round series i can't remember but four or five seed dallas mavericks um just a little story how they got here like i said we've been gone for a couple of weeks so pretty much after the, i did the draft episode and i was out the nfl draft episode and i was out um the miami heat Steamroll the Atlanta Hawks in five, absolutely annihilating Trey Young. No need to really discuss how that poorly that went. Um, it got to the point people started questioning Trey Young in terms of how high is he truly in terms of the young guard of players, how high truly is he in terms of guards in general in the NBA. Uh, absolute destruction and to point out of several flaws in the Atlanta Hawks system, how they're built, how there's no second playmaker on the Hawks pretty much besides Trey Young. They're incredibly Trey Young-centric. It looks a lot like Chris Paul in those younger years in New Orleans, where if Trey Young isn't spoon-feeding somebody, they don't score. I mean, Herder gets his own, kind of. Gallo gets his own, kind of. A lot of the rest of them are dependent on Trey Young. Um, and then, of course, Miami Heat go into the second round, and they battle the 4C Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, we can spend a little time on this. Not a ton, though. Um... That series was greatly changed by the fact that Joel Embiid missed the first two games. And I, and I do believe that. That series was changed by the first two games. Because if we look at it, the Heat won in six. Well, take the first two games out, it's 2-2 two, two going into game five. Um, and who knows if if Philly doesn't steal a game and B was playing out of his mind. Um, Bam Adebayo's a good player. He can't stop a healthy Joel Embiid. And by that point, Embiid wasn't healthy. He was playing through a thumb ligament. But even coming back for games three four five and six he played with a orbital bone fracture a mask he was coming off a concussion who knows how that was dealing with uh who knows how that was affecting his play on the court and so he didn't he didn't perform to the level we normally see joel and b perform and james harden overnight turned into a disaster um so that'd be very interesting this offseason what happens now i do remember when james harden was traded as part of the trade agreement, he opted into his con. He opted into his option for next season. Um, Daryl Moore has already said that head coach Doc Rivers is coming back um, for to get a full season to, and I quote, or some similar quotes, to unlock James Harden, uh, unlock the the James Harden of old, the Houston James Harden that made Daryl Moore a success story in the NBA, um, and figure out a way to get him and Joel Embiid on the same page to where they can both average. I mean, I don't want to throw these names out there like Kobe and Shaq, both being that 30 point per game average. Um, and it's going to take them be getting personal with each other. It's going to take that, oh, Joel Embiid, man, no way in hell Harden going to score 40 and I'm going to have 15. If Harden get 40, I'm going to have 42. Or Harden, vice versa. No way in hell I'm going to let Embiid get 30, 12, and 5, and I have 15, 6, and 2, or 16, 6, and 7. Nah, if he get 30, 12, and 5, I'm going to have. 32 15 you know what i'm saying it's gonna take them getting personal almost battling each other on the court for success um in order for them to be a better basketball team personally 
if I'm Philly, I admit my mistake and I sign and trade James Harden to the highest bidder. I don't care. Uh, Tobias Harris is on a max contract or a near max. James Harden can get super maxed out this summer. Joel and B's already on a max contract. So this is your roster. Luckily, Tyrese Max is on a rookie deal. He's developing. But pretty much, this is your roster. Um, Tobias Harris can hold some value. But pretty much, this is your basketball team. So you're going to have to figure it out with those guys. I'm not sure if it's possible. You've tried Brad Brown. You've tried Doc Rivers. You've tried James Harden on this mix. You've tried Ben Simmons. Um, I don't know if it's possible. Now, speaking of Ben Simmons, they're going to be very interested next year. He is liking tweets saying that he's going to make that. So he liked the Skip Bayless tweet that he was going to make Philly regret the trade. That's an energy we have not seen from Ben Simmons previously. Before this, it was a lot of nothing. It was passive. It was little smoky emojis, smoke come out the nose emojis on IG. It was nothing as direct as him liking a tweet saying that he's going to make Philly regret the James Harden trade. Now, it happened. Now, he liked the tweet right after the series ended. Like, Skip tweeted it out right after the game six collapse of James Harden not scoring in the fourth quarter, which is, by the way, the reason you got rid of Ben Simmons, was that you wanted someone to score in the fourth quarter next to Joel Embiid, and instead you got somebody who doesn't play defense, who also didn't score in the fourth quarter when you needed him next to Joel Embiid, and you got rid of Seth Curry, and you got rid of Andre Drummond, and you got rid of two first-round picks along with that decision. So, not the best move ever by Philadelphia. But, right after the series, Skip Bayless tweets out something on the effect of, uh, it's going to look really bad on Philly in a couple years, and Ben Simmons makes some regrets, da 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 and Ben liked it. Again, that's the first move we've ever seen him do that before. It's kind of shocking. Um, so, that is something that we're going to keep our eye on there in Brooklyn. Um, but back to Miami, they got rid of Philadelphia in six, and they arrived. You look at their opponent, the Boston Celtics. Now, the Boston Celtics had the much harder road. If there was three people in the East, probably preseason champions, the Brooklyn Nets was number one, the Milwaukee Bucks was number two, and probably Miami Heat was number three. The Boston Celtics beat, swept the Nets. We don't have to recap that. There wasn't much to recap. It ended quickly. They went to absolute war with the Milwaukee Bucks, who was sans Chris Middleton. Um, in that series, they Giannis Antetokounmpo did become the first player in NBA history to have 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in the same series. Over a seven-game series, that is minimum averages of 28.5 points, 14.7 rebounds, and uh, I believe six assists a game, minimum averages. Um, so very, very impressive. Or five and a half a game, something like that, along those lines. But very, very impressive um, numbers from Giannis Antetokounmpo. He stepped up big time in the wake of no Chris Middleton. It just wasn't enough, unfortunately. Um, they stole a game, and then they got a game stolen from them. They said they stole game five to even get it to a game six. Um, and then they just didn't. They should have won it in six. They didn't have the gas to get it to a game, to get win that game seven. Um, to put it in perspective, Giannis had a pretty inefficient 25 and um, Giannis had a first inefficient 25, and his team as a whole um, had 81 in that game seven. So that was pretty much uh, where, I mean, that pretty much sums up um, how that game went for game seven for the Milwaukee Bucks. But ultimately, they um, fell to the Boston Celtics, who now have the opportunity to beat all three 
of the Eastern Conference uh, favorites in consecutive order. Um, something that is a rare feat. I'm not sure if Vegas or we have that stat up from Vegas, but the three people I've seen, I've seen pick the most to come out of the East with Miami. Uh, well, this is when they didn't have Jordan to be able to say Philly, but Philly was after the Harden trade. Uh, Miami, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. And so far, Boston has beaten two of those three. Um, so now they get an opportunity at Miami to take out all three. And our West, like I said, we have the Golden State Warriors and Dallas Mavericks. The Golden State was able to uh, win their first round series uh, pretty easily. No real threat to them at all in that first round um, because they drew the Denver Nuggets and they drew it without they drew a Denver Nuggets team that again it felt like Giannis the kind of like Giannis against the Boston Celtics, which was damn. In that game seven, I really miss Middleton. All year, Jokic has been kind of surviving Sans Jamal Murray. Um, he needed him in that series. He needed somebody else to be able to create for other people along with themselves and legit create. We've seen Jamal Murray and Mitchell do that epic battle in the bubble. They were 40, 45, 50 um, going at each other. He needed somebody who could take pressure off of him. Every time Jokic moved, it was a double. It was a trap. Um, it was forcing him to make plays. Then they were forcing him to score because that's not his natural instinct. Just keep scoring. Uh, they threw multiple f- defenses at him, multiple switches, multiple ways of helping to try and confuse him um, and slow him down. It didn't work very well, but it made the others, it made the pressure on the others even higher. And without having a guy like Jamal Murray there, automatically to take off some of the help and take off some of the pressure, um, Jokic really struggled. Um, so that was something that I definitely noticed there that Jokic struggled. Like I said, the Warriors won that fairly easily. I believe they won it in five. Um, and then you go, and then the Warriors go play the Memphis Grizzlies. That's a tough series. That's a hard-fought series. And then things for the Grizzlies started to happen. Um, Desmond Bain, or Dylan Brooks, rather, gets suspended for a game for the foul on Gary Payton. Then John Morant goes down with a knee injury. Um, and the Warriors ultimately close that series out in six um, to set up a date with the Dallas Mavericks, who in their first-round series had a battle with Utah Jazz. Um, not really much to recap there. Something has to happen with the Jazz because Rudy Gobert, according to reports, has told management, look, it's him or me in regards to um, Donovan Mitchell. Now, the thing about that is Utah hosts the All-Star game this upcoming season, 2023. They can trade Rudy Gobert. They can't trade Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is the attraction and the pretty much the guaranteed all-star. I mean, Rudy Gobert is these days, but the guaranteed all-star for Utah. So he'd be the master of ceremonies. He'd be the face of the all-star weekend. He'd be the guy to show off Salt Lake City, etc. Um, so they're not trading out of Mitchell's offseason, which if Rudy Gobert is to be believed, or they put it to be believed about Rudy Gobert, him or me, it's going to lead to him. And Rudy Gobert will be moved this offseason. We're going to see if that's something that was just an emotional thing after the game. Or was Rudy Gobert going to stick to his gun and try to force that? But they dealt with that team. And then the uh, Dallas Mavericks beat a Phoenix Sun team, including uh, destroying them in Game 7. Now, that was a hard-fought series. But, uh, the home team in that series was 6-1. and one, And the one was Game 7. Uh, where the Dallas Mavericks, again, absolutely annihilated the Phoenix Suns. Um, at halftime, it was 57 to 27. Dallas and Luka had 27. 
to the halftime, Luca versus the Suns was tied at 27. Um, anytime that happens, that's a bad mix. DeAndre Aiden and uh, Monty Williams had to be restrained from each other at one point during the game. Um, and DeAndre Aiden got benched. When Monty Williams was asking, asked about it, he stated that in a very stern voice, it's internal. Um, now, this, now they've been on a they've had a rift all season. When Aiden wanted the full blown max contract, Phoenix wouldn't offer it to him. Wouldn't extend that offer to him. So there's been a riff and a divide in the organization ever since. Um, Chris Paul and Devin Booker absolutely went to sleep, fell a nap, at, went to sleep, took a nap uh, on melatonin and had no intent of waking up in that game. Absolutely no show from them. Um, all around dominance from the Dallas Mavericks. Spencer Dinwiddie went for 30, Luka went for 35. They're the first pair of team, teammates to score 30 plus in an elimination game on a game seven rather, since Shaq and Kobe. Um, absolute annihilation from the Mavs. Now, of course, this leads to everybody's famous question. Justin, what are your predictions? My predictions is that I told everyone who would listen, the winner of the Bucks and the Celtics series is winning the NBA championship. Now, I said that with the hope or with the advance, yeah, hope basically that it would be Giannis, that Giannis and the Bucks would win, they'd get Middleton back and win the chip, go back to back. Well, Boston won. I will not back off that original prediction. So I believe the Boston Celtics will win the NBA, will win the conference against the East. They will win it in six games. It will end on it will end with the Eastern Conference Trophy um, and the Larry and the Larry Bird Trophy. The Oscar Robinson, I believe, is the Eastern Conference, or the Oscar Robinson Trophy being handed to the Boston Celtics, and the Larry Bird Trophy being handed to someone on the Boston Celtics, which is incredibly fortuitous um, for Eastern Conference MVP, and it will happen in Game 6 in Boston while they're standing unlucky. In our West, I want to pick the upset so badly between the Golden State Warriors and Dallas Mavericks, because Golden State, again, they're being gifted a run. In round one, you got to deal with the Denver Nuggets, who sands Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. In round two, you're in a battle with the Grizzlies, and then John Morant gets hurt. So they haven't had a clean run to the finals yet. Um, they've never had one, and this year is no different. Now, I do believe that it is going to be very hard for Dallas to beat them, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Dallas does it in seven. I'm going to say that the Dallas Mavericks takes out the Golden State Warriors in seven. Um, and then in the NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics overwhelm the Mavericks and beat them in six. And Boston Celtics are the NBA champion. Um, that is my prediction as it sits right this second. Uh, things could change. Like I said, we got a show next week, the week after that. Who knows? But that is my prediction right now. Celtics over Heat in six. Uh, Mavericks over Warriors in seven. And then Celtics over Mavericks in six. Now we're gonna talk about how uh, some potential big little news in the NBA. So of course, there's some free agents to watch, uh, mainly two that played each other last night. You got DeAndre Aiden for the Phoenix Suns, uh, Jalen Brunson for the Dallas Mavericks, along with others that are unrestricted free agents this offseason. And then of course, the New Orleans Pelicans are getting a healthy Zion Williamson back. 
he was seen training at the Coach K facility on the Duke's campus. Now, this again, this is key word that is training. This is the first time in his NBA career he is training instead of rehabbing um, in an offseason. So this is huge for him in terms of development, in terms of weight management, in terms of, like I said, the team itself. Because now when they do, when they organize a workout, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, whoever organizes an offseason workout, Zion can go and participate. Um, so you're working together, you're training together, you're trying to get your life together. Now you don't have this massive piece, this massive hole, um, not there. He's in the building. He's in the building training with the rest of you. So very, very good news for the Pelicans and the NBA in general. Getting a guy who, when last seen healthy, was 27 and 7 on 62% shooting. Um, so having a guy like that back is great for the NBA, not not just the New Orleans Pelicans. And for those teams who have a team in the lottery, the NBA Draft Lottery is Tuesday night. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA, and us rather, the NFL rather, and we're going to talk about what has been going down there. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the NFL and what's going down there. Uh, of course, the big thing that happened over the past couple weeks uh, was the NFL draft. Craziest draft in a long time in terms of we didn't know what was going to happen. We came in there, thought we had the number one pick decided, Aiden Hutchinson. Well, okay, for months it was Evan Neal, uh, and then it was Aiden Hutchinson. Then about a week out, you started hearing Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker. Well, ended up being Trayvon Walker. Uh, the edge rush out of Georgia ended up going number one. Detroit loved that so much that they drafted Aiden Hutchinson within a snap. It was, it was actually reported, I saw in an article, that the NFL was mad at the Lions for picking so quick. Like, because, you know, the NFL likes to drag out the draft and make it a drama. Who's going, who's going, who's going. And the Lions, as soon as, basically, as soon as the draft card went in for Trayvon Walker, of course, we can't see it, but the teams know. So when you submit a draft card for the process, so you go through and you submit a draft card, or you're the number one pick, and you say you're Jacksonville Jaguars, friends, I'm gonna use real life, you're Jacksonville Jaguars, and you say, we're gonna fill out the draft card for Trayvon Walker, with number one pick. The minute that draft card gets handed into the team and they phone it in, every other team in the league knows. So, that's why when the pick is in and then the clock comes back and it says seven minutes, that's because the team has known for three minutes that Trayvon Walker's the pick. Well, if you go back and watch it, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were announcing the Jacksonville Jaguars pick and the Lions pick was already in because they sent in the car for Hutchinson so fast that by the time the first pick was announced, the second pick was already known. So really, by the time the Jacksonville Jaguars announced the first pick, the Houston Texans were on the clock already. Like, that is how fast Detroit submitted their pick. That's what the NFL is frustrated with them. Um, then you have Derek Stingley was the first DB off the board. Sauce Gardner wasn't too far behind. He went five to the Jets. 
Um, you had the Giants knock their draft out of the park, picking up Kayvon Thibodeau, who was the preseason number one pick, and Evan Neal, who was the number one pick for most of the actual season. Um, so they got basically two number one overall pick talent levels at four and seven. Uh, the Jets crushed it. You pick up uh, um, the edge rush out of Florida State. Can't think of his name right now. And you pick up um, speed at receiver Jameson Williams. And you pick up Sauce Gardner all in the first round. The Detroit Lions got their edge rush for the future in A. Hutchinson. And they got a top receiver. So if you look at, you know, these guys in these drafts, the Saints had a mean potatoes draft. They got Chris Olave, and they turned around and got uh, Travis Penning, I believe, is the offensive lineman. The Ravens, very, very Ravens pick, picked up Kyle Hamilton at 14. But then the trades, the trades were insane. It was like nine trades in the first three rounds, something like that. Trades were everywhere. A.J. Brown gets traded from the Tennessee Titans. He gets to the Ghost of Philadelphia Eagles. He immediately agrees on a $100 million contract. Hollywood Brown gets traded from the Ravens, goes to the Cardinals. Um, got, and it seems to be as a preemptive strike to the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. You look at the Patriots, their pick was, well, their player's last name, Strange. They picked Cole Strange, who's an offensive lineman out of um, Chattanooga, who famously, obviously, boasts Terrell Owens as their alumni. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, so UT Chattanooga boasts Terrell Owens um, as a, like I said, as an alumni. Okay, pick Cole Strange. Um, Sean McVay made a joke, and I don't know how serious of a joke was it. Uh, but he made a joke saying, man, we wasted our time scouting Cole Strange. We thought he'd be there in the third or fourth. Well, apparently many people shared their same thought process in regard to Cole Strange because he was on a lot of people's day two board. Late second, early third, third round pick was pretty much where a lot of people had him going in that late second, early third range. Like I said, Sean McVay didn't have a pick to 104, I think. And they said, like, oh, at their press conference they were doing during the first round, they didn't have a first round pick. They were saying, like, man, we thought he'd be there at our pick. We wasted time. And Les Me was like, whoa, UT Chattanooga to the first round. Now, could he end up being an all pro guard or even an all pro center? He's graded out a lot at center, I'm seeing. Yeah, maybe. But they had bigger needs to me. I'm a Patriots fan. I feel like we had bigger needs in interior offensive linemen. Although I have to trade a Shaq Mason. And when the Patriots traded back, we, me and my friend who's a Patriots fan uh, as well, both were kind of saying, like, they're sitting on something. And they're sitting on something they're pretty confident won't get taken. So, like, if you're in the draft and you need a quarterback, you're not going to trade back if you need a quarterback and the quarterback's sitting there because you don't want to risk that quarterback being gone. Well, Cole Strange was on nobody's first round board, apparently, but Bill Belichick. So... They set on Cole Strange through sourcing throughout the league. I've seen how these guys work. I've seen how these guys talk. You over here, nobody's really checking for Cole Strange in the first round. Okay, so we can trade back, accumulate assets, and still draft the guy they wanted. No complaints from me. Hell of a decision. Um, hell of a decision by the Patriots. If, if he's truly an all-pro level guard or center, hell of a move. You gain more asset, assets, and you got your alignment. Um, Green Bay Packers became the first team to ever draft two people from the same defense in the first round. They drafted two Georgia players. Uh, like I said, they're from the same exact defense. Uh, it's pretty funny. Georgia's uniform and the Packers uniform looks a lot alike. And so you're kind of swapping out red, black, and white for 
green, white, green, yellow, and white. Pretty much the same exact uniform. Um, so that was pretty cool. I mean, you had a lot of players get moved. A lot of picks were traded. Like I said, nine trades happened in the first couple of rounds. Picks were flying all over the place. Very entertaining draft. Uh, you had some great picks, like uh, Kayvon Thibodeau with the Giants and the guy who had the transplant. I don't know if it was heart or kidney, some of the transplant. Had a big time yell moment. Kyle Brandt, uh, with his introduction of the Bills, third round pick was a great moment. The draft always provides great moments. Uh, Vegas was a great host. I would have loved to see Vegas, or how it was supposed to be the first time before COVID hit. Where they were supposed to like boat across, you know, it was a Joe Burrow draft. Where they were supposed to boat across. They were going to be once the stage was going to be on one side, and then the draft was going to be another side. And they were going to like boat the player up to the stage, have him walk up the stage. Like it was going to be insane, insane, insane Las Vegas level production. Um, they ended up not doing that plan this time. They had the, the traditional walk. Um, even though Sauce Gardner got confused, he turned the wrong direction. They ended up doing the traditional walk. Um, draft shockers was the quarterbacks. Um, and obviously the amount of trades. My Mac draft was terribly wrong. I didn't even look at it, to be honest with you. I haven't looked at it much. It was pretty, pretty bad. Um, but everybody's was bad. The only pick I nailed, pretty much I know off the top of my head I nailed, was Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers. Um, but the two things with the amount of trades was shocking. Like I said, nine trades in the first couple of rounds and the lack of quarterbacks. Quarterback has been a position in the past 15 years or so that's been overdrafted. Now, if you recap every single NFL draft starting in 2021, not this last draft, but the one before that, the 2021 draft, back, the quarterback, pretty much in the modern era of football, the, port, the quarterback gets drafted number one, two, three, eight. There's four great quarterbacks, they're one, two, three, four. And then you start to the position players. If it's one, they're one, and then the position player. Like for instance, 99 draft. I don't recall any other quarterback in that draft but Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a 199th pick. He goes one, and these are draft the position players. Um, in the Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson draft. Josh Allen goes one, Lamar Jackson goes two. Believe it or not, Baker Mayfield probably goes three, and then you start drafting position players. Um, where's the leave of Sam Donald? Where's the leave of Josh Rosen? Rosen probably falls out in the third, fourth, fifth round. Sam Donald probably in the first round pick because people believe in his talent, they just believe his development isn't there. So Donald probably may end up going forward, depending on who the team is at four. I think it's Cleveland. So they'll draft the quarterback twice, but you, get a, you know what I'm saying? Like people trade and get that pick. Um, that's a thing. Um, quarterbacks are the most valuable thing. So in a redraft, they're always one, two, three, however many good ones there are. But recent memory, even like a guy like a Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was a very controversial pick in terms of how good could he be, what was going to be in the NFL, etc. He went top five. You look at a guy like Sam Darnold, same questions. He went top ten. We heard, and I was being told, and many people believed it. Okay, Pickett to Pittsburgh is pretty much a thing. You know, barring somebody takes him, he's not getting past Pittsburgh. Okay. But remember, Malik Willis was talking about being high as six to Carolina. People were wondering, Malik Willis has six to Carolina. Okay, now you're looking at um, who's going to pull the trigger on Desmond Ritter. You know, we were looking at potentially, I seen mock drafts from very smart, connected guys with the many as four quarterbacks in the first round. It ended up being one quarterback in the first two and a half rounds. 
uh, Kenny Pickett went 28 to Pittsburgh, like we predicted on this show. Um, and then you had no one go. Malik Willis is a third round pick. Desmond Ritter is a third round pick. Sam Howell goes in the fifth round. Bailey Zapp, it goes in the fourth round um, to New England as a guaranteed backup. Now, he, now he's a backup. He's behind Mac Jones. Kenny Pickett had a chance to start day one. Malik Willis is going in there battling with Tennessee. Financially, he, he doesn't have a shot. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's guaranteed 20 some odd million dollars this season. He's the quarterback. Um, now, next season, he's not guaranteed at all. 2023, he's not guaranteed, so he's probably moved on. And Malik Willis is the guy. And then you have a situation in. Um, oh, I can't think right now. Oh, uh, Desmond Ritter. He's battling Marcus Mariota. There's no financial incentive to start Marcus Mariota. There's financial incentive to start Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. There's none in Atlanta. So Desmond Ritter is close. I think you start Desmond Ritter. Um, and then you got Sam Howell in Washington. To be honest, there's no financial benefit to Carson Wentz. He's not really guaranteed a lot of money. And for one year, if uh, Carson Wentz doesn't play well and you put in Sam Howell and Sam Howell's better, or they got they got Cole Kelly and Andre the free agency from Southeastern, there's no financial stress to any of them. You play the best player. So, and I love situations like that in any position, um, in any situation where it's truly the best player, where you don't have to be, like Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis could outplay Ryan Tannehill all preseason. Ryan Tannehill is going to start because he's making $27 million guaranteed. At least for the first couple games. Now, if he stinks up and joins the first couple games, Malik Willis goes in the game and kills it, Malik's the guy. But you get what I'm saying, like, there's, there's a financial weight from the general manager and ownership when a guy is making that much, that much money, guaranteed. There's a there's a weight. There's a there's an aura. There's a you know there's a, there's a thing about him. He he he's making this get him on the field. Um. And so that was a shocker. The receivers ran off the board quickly. The offensive line ran off the board. So other I mean drafting the quarterbacks were the big changes and the big shockers in the NFL draft. Not much really shocked me um like i said the trades threw off everyone's mock book draft and the lack of quarterback was just it was it was insane malik willis got invited to the draft room remember the famous aaron Rodgers? oh aaron Rodgers falls to 22 you know in, in the alex smith draft oh big ben falls to nine or ten malik willis got invited to the draft lamar jackson falls 32 malik willis got invited to the draft room and does not get picked until the third round that's a fall from i mean because after the pro day he was up as high as six on the mock drafts oh he's if carolina would get him he's not going past seattle like it was a thing but then you hear how p carroll talks about drew lock saying that drew lock was in this draft he's the number one overall he's the number one pick with the number one quarterback taken he's probably right um and in perfect honesty which he's probably right Drew Locke was thought of as a guy with a lot of physical tools, a lot of upside. So he's probably right in terms of he's probably the first quarterback off the board if he's in this draft. So I guess Pete Garrett's looking like, why trade or why draft a guy to replace a guy I think he's better than kind of thing. Um, it's a very interesting decision by Pete Carroll, nonetheless, to ride out with uh, Drew Locke. That could be a back thing that backfires. I'm not sure. Um, you got a guy like Baker Mayfield who's just out in the wind. Still has no home. Now, Cleveland's playing, I think, with fire here. I think Cleveland, in their heart of hearts, 
believe if push comes to shove and shove puts back and Deshaun Watson gets axed for a year, Baker Mayfield will play for them. Now, I fully believe Baker Mayfield would never play another snap for the Cleveland Browns ever again. But since the draft has passed, you pretty much have no leverage in terms of a negotiation against another team for draft pick. Uh, for, for Baker Mayfield, rather. Um, because before the draft, you can say, okay, team offers you a fourth, you want a first. Okay, we offer you a late third, we want a second. You know, you can negotiate back and forth in terms of a pick. No draft, meaning if you give Baker Mayfield to a decent team, they may win 10-11 games, Well, now you don't have a good pick as you thought you had. Plus, in the quarterback carousel, who's got an open seat? We thought Seattle, but apparently they like Drew Locke. Detroit, maybe? But you wouldn't want to go, Detroit has an open slot, kind of. We're going to see how Dan Campbell feels about Jared Goff and Hard Knocks. The Giants might have one, but do you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So there's not really a lot of slots available. If he was a free agent, free agent, I think he'd go to Miami and fight with Tua. Um, Houston likes Davis Mills. You know what I'm saying? There's not really a lot of situations for Baker Mayfield to go to in order to start and be successful. Now, hey, Cleveland doesn't have a lot of leverage. Maybe some team walks in, offers them a fourth. Cleveland gets them out of town. But if Cleveland can somehow convince Baker to come back and play quarterback, um, come back and play quarterback for them while Deshaun is suspended, especially against Cam for the whole year, um, that'll be a very good thing for the Cleveland Browns. I'm no Baker fan, but Baker Mayfield is better than Case Keenum, and he's better than I forgot, I forgot who the backup is now in Cleveland. Um, he's better than him too. So that is going to be something to keep our eye on there with the Cleveland Browns. The New Orleans Saints have loaded the bleep up in the past couple of weeks. Like I said, I'm in the South Louisiana area. I'm now two and a half hours basically away from New Orleans instead of about an hour and 15, hour and a half. Um, but they have loaded the hell up. They brought in Tyron Matthew, LSU legend, New Orleans legend, out of St. Augustine um, High School in the New Orleans area. Then you bring in Jarvis Landry, again, LSU legend from Louisiana. Uh, I, I can't call us high school right now, but he's from Louisiana. Um, you you kept Cam Jordan. You bring in Marcus May, safety out, safety for the Jets. You still have Marshawn Lattimore. You still got Demario Davis. You still you bring Quan Alexander back. You, like I tell you, you still got Cam Jordan, David Ayamada, Peyton Turner, who was your first round pick last year. Now he's gonna play. You draft Chris Olave. Um, Michael Thomas is healthy and looks like he's happy. As of right now, Alvin Kamara is going to be on the field. And Jameis Winston said in the interview this past week, if you gave him a helmet and pad and told him to go, he could suit up right now. You're in a situation, if you're the New Orleans Saints, where it is Super Bowl or bust. And that is a lot to ask for a first-year head coach in Dennis Allen. That's a hell of a lot to ask in a first-year head coach in Dennis Allen. A whole hell of a lot to go Super Bowl or bust. But when you've got that many good players, especially that many good veterans, Think about it, after all the people I've named, there's one rookie, Chris Olave, and he's at the most translatable position in the league. Second most translatable position at the league. Third, which is in terms of, well, no, second, in terms of going from college to pro, receiver. And we're seeing it recently with LSU guys. You've seen it with Justin Jefferson. You've seen it with Jamar Chase. Um, now an Ohio State guy, Chris Olave, is going to be in another good situation where he's not the number one. 
See, Justin Jefferson wasn't the number one his rookie year. Adam Thielen was. Jamar Chase really wasn't the number one for most of the year because you had a Tyler Boyd. You had a um, another guy with name I can't think of. But you had those guys playing around him. So you didn't really have uh, Jamar Chase fighting and scratching and clawing every single you know thing against the number one receiver. Not for some, not for a good part of the year. Now, by the end of the year, he was clearly the number one. But... You know, that helps out a whole hell of a lot. So the New Orleans Saints have loaded up now. You can't do Michael Thomas. There's a lobby on the other side. Uh, the rookie's getting off. Now Jarvis is in the slot. Oh, the, you you trying to blanket them? Now Alvin Kamara's getting swing passes untouched. You know, and it's just a very, very talented offense. I'm very interested to see how this works out for the Saints. Uh, a couple of legal news stories. Uh, Jerry Judy was arrested, originally held without bond, then he was uh, bonded out for basically destruction of property, um, of a girlfriend's property, of an ex-girlfriend's property, whatever. Uh, the reason why I say that is because they, he was given, um, with the charge was with a domestic violence enhancer. Now, people see domestic violence, automatically think man hate woman, woman hate man, depending on how you, you know, whatever. But it was given that kicker because enhancer rather because he knew the woman it was his ex-girlfriend or current girlfriend or whatever whose stuff was destroyed um so he knew the woman so it was given a domestic violence enhancer it feels like a little crap which it is if you attach that dv enhancer the charge and the fine and the sentence goes way up so i think it's a load of crap because them knowing he was jerry judy they attached that enhancer onto him uh but we're gonna watch that carefully see how that plays out Earl Thomas was arrested and detained recently uh, on charges that I cannot remember. Um, the former Ravens and Seahawks uh, safety, part of the Legion of Boom that has had some troubled history between Brandon Browner, Richard Sherman, and Earl Thomas. Um, he, you know, has been arrested, and so we're going to keep our eye on that situation as well. And the official NFL schedule has been released which is something we will talk about next episode. I will have a full breakdown of all, every single game will be an accurate record. So, you know, a lot of these times, those guys say, oh, there's like 10 or 7, and then whatever. And then, it, you know, if you put the numbers together, they don't equal. Uh, they don't equal the 200, I think it used to be 56 wins. So add another um, 18 to it, you know, 274 wins will be the total because every time I mark a team on, I'm going to go down to that exact game and X through that team. So we're going to get a very accurate description of the win-loss record. That is going to be the headline of the NFL statement next week. So definitely be there. I've already printed out the schedule grid with every single game on it. So be there definitely if you want to hear that. But up next, we're going to have our best for last, who's going to be talk about the WNBA being back. Welcome back into the show. 
and we're gonna have our best for last, which is going to be a discussion about the return of the WNBA. It is back, the W is back, and of course, with the W being back, we are highlighting the fact that Bradley Griner has is continued to be wrongfully detained in Russian prison um, for allegedly having hash, hash oil, THC effectively, in vape pens, traveling through the airport. So she's on day 87, 88, I think by the time you hear this, which will be tomorrow morning, um, of being wrongfully detained in a Russian prison. We get glimpses of her. Uh, our last vision of her was when she was going here, her court date was pushed back another month. Um, she was in handcuffs, obviously, head down, uh, dread swinging um, in a hoodie. It was a very depressing sight. A, a woman so big in life, uh, so big in size, so big in smile, I mean, appeared to be breaking. Um, so I hope she keeps her strength. I hope she maintains her head. The uh, U.S. government has classified her as wrongfully detained. And so when you get that classification, that changes who talks to the government. So at first, it's kind of a U.S. embassy type, peaceful type. Hey, how can we get a home? Whatever. Then it becomes a hostage negotiator type guy who's OK. She's over there. She's stuck over there. How do we get her back over here? Um, so that is something that we are working on every day. The U.S. government is trying to figure that out, how to get Brittany Griner, WNBA superstar, uh, future Nate Smith Basketball Hall of Famer, in my opinion. How do we get her back over here? So that is something that we're going to keep our eye on there. But in a more positive move about on the court, the W, like I said, is back. You've got an amazing rookie named Ryan Howard. Uh, if you have not watched her play for the Atlanta Dream, watch her play immediately. She is she, she's up next. She is her. Um, she's up next. I've tweeted about it. WNBA needs to get behind her and start her push now. Don't wait till she's three, four, five years in. Start her push now. Get her on national commercials. Um, get her negotiating really, really high prices in Europe or Asia if she's going to go. Um, but get behind her and start pushing with her. Start pushing her to the forefront. Like I said, excellent player. Uh, excellent person. Um, just a flat out. She is what the WNBA is looking for in terms of his next face. You've got the Los Angeles Sparks, a little revamped, obviously adding Kennedy Carter, adding Jordan Canada, adding um, Liz Cambage, bringing back in the Aguma K sisters. So the Los Angeles Sparks are looking really good. You know, they've got a lot of talent on in the W. And it speaks about the expansion. Kathy Engelbert, WNBA commissioner, said that expanding rosters is not the solution, but obviously expansion, not obviously, but expansion teams are the next wave in terms of how to get more players the opportunity in order to play in the league. She goes to say two new expansion teams are in process of being created. Um, personally, I would love four expansion teams. That way you get 48 new spots and you get 192 total players in the league. Um, but I guess I have to settle for the two so far and we are going to see um, how that affects the WNBA cut day and you know WNBA roster. But absolutely great action happening. Asia Wilson is currently averaging a double-double. I spoke about Ryan Howard, sniper extraordinaire. Um, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird had their last battle, uh, barring playoffs, because Sue Bird is retiring after the season or is expected to retire after this season. And so her and Diana Taurasi, who Taurasi has said she wants to play for a few more years, had their last uh, battle over the weekend. Um, but that is all I have for today. 
I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the on iTunes, Apple Podcasts um, for more episodes and more details. Uh, do not forget to follow also at JTime Sports for um, breaking news and updates. Again, this podcast will come out tomorrow, uh, so definitely keep your eye on that. Well, you guys will hear it tomorrow. I would have recorded it yesterday by the time you guys hear it. But that's neither here nor there. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.